This is the Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the Auction Community Studio for the next 30 minutes. Well, 29 minutes because of Sarah's update over there dancing behind the glass. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. How's it going, Sarah? I did that for you. I know. I appreciate that, actually. I, I actually Doesn't sound like it. I did ask you to do it. So Yeah. It's, it's, uh, ask me to do it. I do it. And then you rip me on the air. And that's fine. Yeah, that's how it works. Cool. Welcome to your first day in radio, apparently. <laughs> That's Thank okay. You. I was just blamed for the son's struggles. <laughs> I was wondering whose fault it was. It's your fault? Apparently. Oh, wow. Okay. It is. Well, that's Bear behind the glass. It's his fault that yeah. uh, the, the sons are losing, and it's Sarah's fault that we only have 28 minutes to talk about uh, sports. It's really Jordan tonight. Bird's fault for selfishly having a child. <laughs> <laughs> it's Braylon's fault for being born. <laughs> hey, look, as long as it's somebody's fault that isn't mine. All right. Um, Sarah, I appreciate the update, though. I really do. Yeah, you're welcome. It was probably the best minute of the show. Certainly so far it has been. You said it, not me. Oh, you know, I got to tell the people what they want to hear. Speaking of the Phoenix Suns, they have won three games since the Cardinals season ended. So it's time to start winning uh, some basketball games. Uh, They beat uh, Toronto on January 6th. They beat Indiana January 9th. Now I know they had some games postponed in there. They beat Houston on January 20th. That's... um, it's been a while since this team has has stacked some wins. Now, it's a little misleading. Like I said, there were three postponed games in there. They were all home games. You figure they probably would have won at least one, if not two, or maybe even all three of those. And on Saturday, the last time we saw them, which in a condensed season like this, having a break from Saturday to Wednesday, like a scheduled break, seems like an eternity. But that was the game where Jamal Murray took like dance lessons before he hoisted up that three-pointer to tie it at the end of uh, regulation, and Denver ultimately went on to win. That's one of those games where if you're a Suns fan, you look, you say, we lost in double overtime in a game we probably should have won, and we didn't have Devin Booker. It's not a win. I think we're past the point of of stockpiling too many moral victories with this team. Like, you got to make the playoffs this year. I think they will. But that's as close to a moral victory as you can get. In this uh, in the, in the scenario, the Suns are in what they had against Denver on Saturday night, playing that whole game without Devin Booker. They're going to play tonight without Devin Booker. James Jones, and that was already known, but uh, James Jones was on with Burns and Gambo this afternoon and gave an update on his star player. You know, he's out tonight. He's day to day. He's feeling better every day. Um, hopefully, um, we can have him back tomorrow, but I'm not really sure. Uh, we'll see how he feels tomorrow morning when we go through shoot around. And, uh, you know, and, and we'll just move on from there. The Suns get Golden State tomorrow, so back-to-back here. Golden State, by the way, is is right there. I'm sure when the season ends, I'm going to look back and be like, oh, I was wrong about this and this and this and this. I don't feel like I was wrong about Golden State. I think that is a team that's very comparable with where the Suns are either going to be this season or where they want to be. And right now, both teams are a game above 500. That's a big game tomorrow. I, I, found, it, uh, I found it sort of funny when... Clay Thompson went down, and everybody's like, "Well, Golden State's done again." Like, okay, I mean, Clay Thompson is a big deal, but they still have Steph Curry. They still have other pieces. I thought Kelly Oubre would be better. Now they're talking about trying to trade him to the Pelicans, uh, according to Sham Sharania in his piece on the Athletic yesterday. It was just kind of a throwaway line towards the end, but it has not gone well for Kelly Oubre in Golden State. But um, unless he gets traded in the next twenty four hours, then uh, he will be 
here tomorrow to take on the Phoenix Suns. More from James Jones. Dario Saric is getting close to a return. Dario's back. Um, you know, he's, he's back with the team. Uh, today was his first day back with us. Um, had a chance to walk through, shoot around and watch. Um, you know, him and Damian both were present. And so, you know, there'll be a couple couple of days. We'll need a couple of days to get him back up to speed uh, from a cardio standpoint. But my hope is, you know, when we get to Dallas this weekend, um, that he's ready to go. We really haven't seen the Suns at full strength very much this season. If you look around the NBA, we haven't really seen very many teams at all at full strength this season. But uh, even though his update on, on book there was, was kind of wishy-washy on tomorrow, like, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, and I'm certainly not the team doctor. I don't necessarily expect Booker tomorrow, but the fact that it's even like a conversation that can be had makes me think he's coming back pretty soon. And maybe he does, but I mean, for James Jones to say, like, if you heard that interview live, it just kind of sounded like he was like, yeah, maybe. I mean, I hope so. Like, yeah, of course you hope so. He's your best player. But uh, the fact that he's he's already talking like Booker's feeling better every day. It's a hamstring strain, you know. It's it's not not to diminish the injury, but it's not like some serious injury. So, if Book's not back tomorrow, I don't know. Hopefully, he's back this weekend as well. It would be nice to have him though, certainly against uh, against Golden State, because like I said, that's that's got uh, it's got a lot of playoff implications, even though it's early in the season. All right, let's get into the rapid reaction. The rundown rapid reaction. Rapid reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Well, we will start with the Baseball Hall of Fame. We got to talk about this a little bit last night because the news had come out right before the show that uh, Kurt Schilling got closer than anybody in this class but didn't make it. And then, you know, he put out that uh, letter he said he sent to the Hall of Fame and he tweeted out the link to his Facebook page where he was like, look, if I go into the Hall of Fame, I want to go as a Diamondback. Um, You know, 71.1%. As a player, does Kurt Schilling deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Yes, I'm sort of surprised he wants to go in as a Diamondback over a Red Sox, but I'm, then I'm on the other hand, I'm not surprised for a variety of reasons. But obviously, a great career here, a a great career with the Red Sox, uh, with the Phillies. Like the guy pitched, the numbers are they're good enough to get in. Uh, but also not getting in yesterday, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, and. You know, this is one of those things where if you're a sports fan, if you're a baseball fan, you probably have wrestled with this for a while. I hate it that there was an era of baseball where guys just flat out cheated. And to me, like I look at a guy like Barry Bonds, I'm like, you didn't need to, man. You were already going to be one of the three or four best pure hitters of all time anyway. You didn't need to do it. But then when you really look, that to me, the biggest crime is the guys that were using steroids to get into Major League Baseball, like the fringe guys, over other guys who then couldn't make a living playing baseball because they were trying to play by the rules. I mean, it's not worth getting back into now other than it's the backdrop for a Hall of Fame that doesn't have the all-time hits leader. That's not even a steroid issue. Doesn't have the all-time home run leader. Uh, Whether you believe Barry Bonds should be or not, he was going to be up there somewhere. It's going to be an interesting conversation when it comes up with uh, Alex Rodriguez here at some point, too. It's My problem with, with the Hall of Fame in baseball is it at this point feels like it's more about the Baseball Writers Association of America than the actual players. That's my problem with it. It feels like this last push by by that group to be like, no, this is about us. This isn't about who gets... Like, we get to decide who gets in, and they have a lot of responsibility, and they should. 
but it, it's like you're trying to be either you're trying to take the moral high ground and, and that's just not working <laughs> or this is a power trip because there it's not the good guy hall of fame like i said roger clemens i never met the guy it seems like kind of a jerk one of the best pitchers of all time barry bonds doesn't seem all that pleasant i never met him either but um he's one of the best hitters of all time and I just, I don't know, at, at what point do we say, like, if you're not going to have those guys in, then it's not really a museum to the game. I've always liked the idea of why not just put the guys in who deserve to be in based on what they did on the field of play, but don't feel like that plaque has to just be talking about the great stuff about them. It doesn't, it's not like a, it's not some sort of place to to be a cheerleader for all the players in there if it's going to be a museum put the guys in there that deserve to be in there but tell their story if you want to put on the plaque hey this guy was suspected of steroid use for the majority of his career do it the problem with going the other way and being like nope this guy doesn't get in and this guy doesn't get in and and then you know this guy doesn't get in because we think he may have cheated but there's all these guys in there that probably already did cheat and they were already in when we decided to take this moral high ground stance it's just very inconsistent and like I said, a, a day like yesterday, the, the biggest thing that, that stands out to me is we were just talking about the voters the whole time. It's not really what it's supposed to be about. And uh, as, as Dan Bickley pointed out on, on Bickley and Murata earlier today, like if you're worried about this, the steroid era, Bud Selig was the commissioner, and, and he's in there. Uh, over to ASU, Ray Anderson mentioning today on the Anderson Healy podcast right here on Arizona Sports. Uh, you can find it on ArizonaSports.com. Uh, he mentioned this week that he is not interested in the Pac-12 commissioner job if that became available. Um, this is what he had to say. While it's nice to be uh, uh, mentioned as a possible candidate uh, for the commissioner's position, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered by that. Uh, it's just not meant to be for me because this is my home right here at ASU. Yeah, you know, he has he has been pretty consistent over the last few years, especially really ever since they brought in uh, Herm and, and even since they brought in Bobby Hurley, really. Just the, uh, the the commitment to the model that he is building here at ASU. And, like, I, I mean, it's not like he has been outwardly offered the Pac-12 commissioner role, but his name was certainly being tossed around. And uh, if you are an ASU fan, that's probably probably music to your ears right there that Ray Anderson is uh, is not going to go take on a job like that. He would rather keep building what he's trying to build here. As frustrating as, as this basketball season has been, overall, the fact that you have the expectations you have now for this team is because Bobby Hurley is here, and uh, and that, that was a huge step under Ray Anderson. And then also, obviously, the Herm stuff. I mean, Football was frustrating to me this year for a different reason, or this, uh, this, you know, I guess technically 2020 now, for a different reason, just because they didn't get to play. Like, I think if, the, if this was a completely normal sports calendar this year, the basketball team may still be struggling because they don't look like a team, but I do think ASU football would have gone on a nice run this year, and I do think they would have been right there. I mean, I've been saying this about this season for two years, that I thought they would be right there playing for a Pac-12 championship. I don't know if they would have won it, but they would have at least been right there playing for it, but uh, obviously not to be. And finally, the Super Bowl is 11 days away. That's how ridiculous it is that they take that extra week off, even though they're doing the uh, the virtual Pro Bowl this year, which is kind of a cool idea, but still 11 days until the Super Bowl. 
All right, when we come back, we'll get into the NFL. It's not the Super Bowl. It is where exactly one of the best quarterbacks in the league is going to land. It's still mind-boggling he's on the move, but it sure looks like he's going to be on the move. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Rundown with Luke Lipinski. I've always heard you're a very good guy and human. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. (laughs) (laughs) I feel pretty confident that Aaron Rodgers will not be on the San Francisco 49ers next season. Uh, to be fair, I, I said that on the show on Monday. I felt pretty confident, although that wasn't like me breaking news. That was just kind of my gut feeling on it and then you hear some additional comments from Aaron Rodgers and it sounds like he might not even be going anywhere but Deshaun Watson is on the move almost certainly and (laughs) you start to look at teams that could really use a guy like Deshaun Watson like at that position that quarterback to build around and one of the first teams that comes to mind for me is Houston and for some reason they're going to trade him but Bill Barnwell put out a piece today looking on ESPN.com looking at the 17 teams most likely to make a trade for Deshaun Watson. He put together trade proposals and everything. And I'll give him credit. I mean, he started, he went through all 32 teams, obviously take Houston out. So the other 31 teams, he just kind of went through and eliminated some. Like team, team that, teams that wouldn't be interested, he had the Chiefs and the Seahawks, obviously. Teams within the division, teams with cap constraints. Uh, this one is a relief if you're a Cardinals fan. A team that doesn't have enough draft capital, and the only team in that category was the L.A. Rams, because I do think San Francisco is going to upgrade a quarterback probably pretty considerably this offseason. We don't need the Rams doing it, too. Uh, He went through some of the other ones. He got down to teams that would have to make an impractical quarterback swap, and that's where the Cardinals are, the Cardinals, Ravens, and Bills. These are not teams in his 17 that he think could make a a move for, uh, for Deshaun Watson. This is just how he went through, and he basically showed his work and eliminated all the other teams other than those 17. Then he gets to his 17 teams, and I won't read through all of them, obviously, although number 17 is Green Bay, and that one, that just makes my head hurt. He has the 49ers at number three. Actually, before that, he has the Bears at 16. <laughs> like the one team that could, that could kind of right a wrong here. They should have taken Deshaun Watson. Really, in hindsight, they should have taken Patrick Mahomes. But on draft night, everybody knew they should have taken Deshaun Watson. I don't think everybody thought Mahomes was going to be this good. On draft night, everybody was screaming at their televisions, Bears fan or not that the Bears should not be trading up for Mitch Trubisky. They should be taking Deshaun Watson. And they traded like every draft pick they had <laughs> yeah. for the next couple of years to do it. And now they wonder why they, they can't really gain any traction. Um, but yeah, obviously, ultimately, Patrick Mahomes became the, uh, the even better quarterback. But he has the 49ers at three. This is going to be a problem if Deshaun Watson ends up in this uh, in this division because the Cardinals edge on these other teams is not at coach. We talked about this a lot during the season. The Seahawks have Pete Carroll. The Rams have Sean McVay. Maybe he's better than Pete Carroll right now. The 49ers have Kyle Shanahan, who's a top 10 coach in this league. Is that is that fair? Fair that Kyle Shanahan is probably top 10? Probably, yes. I but, would say so. But he's probably third in this division with McVay and, and Pete Carroll there. So the Cardinals aren't going to win the, the coaching battle. They got to win other areas, and this season, 
it certainly felt like they had the advantage at quarterback over at least the Rams and the 49ers. I mean, the Russell Wilson's still, still pretty great. But then going forward, you're like, okay, well, Kyler's only going to get better. I mean, Russell Wilson's probably not going to get worse, but at least you have Kyler Murray. You should have that edge over the 49ers and the Rams. And if the 49ers go out there and get Deshaun Watson, you don't have that edge anymore. Uh, he has the Dolphins as the team that makes the most sense, and that that's where he's got to go, right? Because the Dolphins can give Tua back. If you're Miami and you're giving up Tua, you're getting Deshaun Watson. You could you could throw in a first round pick. It's probably one you got from the Texans anyway for Laramie Tunsil. So you're giving up a first-rounder and two, but you're getting Deshaun Watson. Miami doesn't need all these first-round picks. Like You can use them in football, certainly. But if you're upgrading to a guy that's a top-five quarterback in the NFL and he's still young and he's already a top-five quarterback, I think you do that, certainly, if you're Miami. And if you're Houston, if we're operating under the, the premise that for some reason they have to trade Deshaun Watson, which I'm not saying that as in like I don't understand. Like I understand why why you probably have to do it now. I don't understand how you let it get to this point. But if you're operating under that premise where you have to trade Deshaun Watson, I'd be trying to get a franchise quarterback back. Uh the the other team on here that was compelling at least just in terms of like how would this work? He had the Chargers uh eighth sending Justin Herbert to the Texans for Deshaun Watson. I don't even know that the Chargers would do that. Like Herbert's cheap compared to most quarterbacks, especially compared to Deshaun Watson. If I'm the Chargers, I'm, I'm set. I'm, I'll just use my picks on offensive linemen to make sure Herbert doesn't get hurt. I'm pretty pretty comfortable there. I, Watson's a better quarterback right now, but I'm pretty comfortable with, uh, with Herbert. The other one that stood out that was just irritating is he has the Patriots 5 as the fifth most likely destination. If Deshaun Watson goes to the Patriots, what would be worse, Bear? He goes to the Patriots or he goes to the 49ers? It's the 49ers. The 49ers. Okay. Yeah. I'm not ready for like another 10-year run by the Patriots, though. That'd be yeah, good they've move. had a whole two years off there, due, right? <laughs> yeah, basically. And even last year, they, were, they weren't really bad. Um, that's probably the best move. I mean, it'd be a great move for the Patriots because they don't really draft all that well anyway, so they could just turn those picks into Deshaun Watson. But I, I do think Miami makes the most sense. It's funny. Every every Jets fan I know is like convinced that that Watson's going to New York. Barnwell doesn't even have them in the top five here. If I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm not really excited to go play in in that mess. Uh, I think there would be some allure if you're that good to wanting to go be the guy that turns it around in New York. But uh, if you have other options, and I mean, he's somewhat limited because he's being traded, he's not a free agent. But uh, there's other teams I would pick over the Jets. Um, all right. Uh, Drew Stanton was on with Doug and Wolf this morning, and he talked about Bruce Arians. It's 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 kind of a reminder of how much BA's former players really just appreciated the type of coach he was because it's nothing against Andy Reid, and I'm sure we're noticing it more here because we're in Arizona. There's there's a lot of players like oh yeah BA's there this is great like this is this would be great to see BA win a Super Bowl as as a head coach 
Uh, Drew Stanton, like I said, on with Doug and Wolf, he was asked this morning, where has Bruce Arians changed as a coach since he was in Arizona? I think just the, the stress level that he has is, is diminished from the standpoint that he's not calling plays. He doesn't have to. It's so hard, again, I think that you look at the blueprint of the NFL. Everybody wants these young play callers. They want to hire them as coaches, right? But I look as a head coach as somebody that needs to facilitate and lead men. And B.A. does that as good as anybody that I've been around. And now he has somebody that he trusts to run his offense and Byron and carry out that vision. And he has somebody on the defensive side of the ball, Todd, that that does a a tremendous job that's been a head coach. So he understands those things. And I think it allows him to just relax more and be more interactive, which he loved doing that anyways. I mean, I remember when he was the offensive coordinator, uh, in Indianapolis with us, he used to sit down with the quarterbacks like in the meetings and just like play cards while we're sitting there waiting for special teams to get done. Like he loved those kind of uh, circumstances, and now just him being able to do that and and go over to both sides of the ball, be able to be you know really not worrying about the scheme or what's going on. Though he has some involvement, he has let his coaches coach, which is a testament to him and the people that he's brought in here. Yeah, so that's Drew Stanton on this morning with Doug and Wolf. This is Patrick Peterson on his podcasts when he was asked about the possibility of Bruce Arians winning a Super Bowl as a head coach. Yeah. I think these guys, man, have put in so much time, work, and dedication that you know these guys are definitely – I would love, literally love to see them win a Super Bowl because it definitely will feel like I won a Super Bowl with them. No <laughs> question, no question. It's because – you know, I get to talk to Ty. You know, I felt like I won a Super Bowl last year with him. Yeah. I was holler around my house. So it's going to be a fun Sunday for me, man. I'm excited for no sure. Question. The Super Bowl, more so, I know we're sensitive to it here, but more so than any in, in recent memory, just has so many ties to the Cardinals. I mean, when you have, you have two of the most memorable pieces of the last great Cardinals team with Tyron Matthew and Bruce Arians facing off. But, I mean, there's other players, obviously, in there. A.Q. Shipley, I know, is not playing, but he's, he was on Tampa this year. And Alex Okafor, you, just, you, have, you have a lot of ties there. Obviously, Bruce Arians' entire coaching staff is, is basically uh, guys that, that have ties to the Cardinals. I do wonder, if, if the Buccaneers win, which I don't think is nearly as much of a long shot as, as, some, as people are, are sort of playing that uh, angle up, I do wonder if Bruce Arians and or Tom Brady would retire. I don't think there's any way Brady would retire if they lose because he's obviously still he's still a great quarterback. I mean, he doesn't need to retire. And I don't even really think Brady would retire if they won, but that would be a pretty bold like ending to the greatest quarterback career of all time if he held up the Lombardi Trophy one more time, his seventh time, kind of looked over at Patrick Mahomes and was like, okay, well, I've set the bar. Good luck trying to catch me now, kid, and I retire. Bruce Arians, just because of other stuff, like you do wonder how much longer he wants to do this. And if, if Tampa wins the Super Bowl, I wonder if, if both uh, of them do, in fact, come back next year. All right, that's going to do it for us here tonight. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been The Rundown. Suns Thunder next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.